Hello and welcome to Living Hope. This is Pastor Staten, and I want to welcome everybody that is joining us today. A shout out to our E family, all of you that are joining us through the internet. I want to remind you every Sunday morning at 11 o'clock, you can join us live at tv.livinghopemd.com. I pray that today's message blesses you and that you enjoy the word as it is shared today. I'm so lost to be found, and I know it's in my mind. Turn to your seats, Chris. Are you here, Chris? You ready? Come on up here, Chris. Amen. We're so glad to have Chris with us today. Amen. Chris is one of us, one of our own, raised here at Living Hope, and he has recently joined the military. And we want him to know that we're proud of him, and we're thankful for the for his service to our country, amen. But I've asked Chris to testify, and uh, he asked me Wednesday, he said, Pastor, do I need to talk about money? That's because, you know, we have on Sundays people come and share their giving testimony. I said, Chris, whatever you want to share. So let's welcome Chris right now. We're going to let him testify. talk to a lot of people like this. It's my first time. But I've been coming here since I was five. And you know, you grow up and you know, things happen for a reason, right? But when I was growing up, I never felt like I was um, like I was really part of it. I grew up, you know, doing stuff. Um, sometimes doing drugs. And then doing all that really got me into like a depression. And, you know, sometimes I was like, why do I feel like nobody loves me? Why do I feel like I don't belong anywhere? Like, depression, nobody likes talking about depression. It's like something we avoid. But I can't hear because I felt like someone needs to hear that God loves you. And no matter how much, how sad you feel, and how much you don't want to be living, that someone's always going to be there for you, no matter what. And that you just got to give yourself up. Stop trying to look cool in front of other people, doing stuff for other people. They're not going to be there for you. They're just there for a moment. You're just passing by. I still don't do everything right. But God still forgives me no matter what. There's nothing you do that he won't forgive you about. He's always going to be there for you when you have nobody, when you don't feel loved. You have everybody that loves you, but you still don't feel loved. It's like a deep hole in your heart. He'll always love you. And he'll fill that heart. Just tell him. Sometimes you really just got to 
You know, put your pride aside. Think, oh, this is just dumb. That's what I used to think. I used to think church was dumb. I didn't even believe in God, really. But one day, pastor came up to me, right? He was telling me, you know, I was in the back over there, you know, just chilling. And he came up to me saying, you know, if you keep doing this stuff, you're either going to end up, he didn't know what I was going through, but you're either going to end up dead or in jail. You know, that really, that really touched me, but I was like, it's whatever. But one day, I, I had enough of it. The day before, I was like, I didn't even want to be alive, right? Had enough, but I asked God. I was crying, I asked God, you know, I don't want to feel like this anymore. I just want to, I just want to feel happy again. And then one day, I came to the altar. You know, I was telling myself, you know, today's the day, right? Telling myself, today's the day. Came to the altar, and you know, I didn't expect nothing to happen, really. But some guy, some random guy, I didn't even know. It's like, a church came that day, and then some guy that came out. Just told me everything I felt. And he told me God loved me. I just started crying. I got the Holy Ghost that day. And, and then, really what I'm trying to say is, you got to make an effort into wanting to change. Nothing's just going to come to you. Put your pride aside and come to the altar. Amen. What a great testimony. We love you, Chris. We're going to be praying for you. I know in August he's supposed to be getting deployed. And I want to ask you all to keep, this is just the beginning of what God is doing in Chris's life. Amen. 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 Man, if you could turn with me in your Bibles to the book of Mark chapter 14. And I'm just, honestly, all week long I've been working on another thought I thought was God given. And if I could show you guys a picture, I don't think I could get up on the screen, but there's a a picture that has been sent to me of a kind of illustrating what sermon preparation looks like for a pastor. And it shows at the beginning of the week, there's the hindquarters of this beautifully sketched horse, like a strong stallion. It's beautifully sketched. And then it, it, the timeline goes on. And by Thursday, it's kind of, it, well, by Friday night, it's just a stick figure. It's like the, the front, you get to the front of the horse representing Friday and it's a stick figure. And that's many times the way starts off, man, this is going to be the greatest sermon ever. By the time you get to Saturday night, you're like, God, please bail me out one more time. And honestly, this morning, God said that wasn't it. So I don't know if that's for another time, but he just kind of downloaded into my spirit what I'm going to preach for you today. It's not going to be pretty, but I feel like maybe there was somebody that you weren't sure if you were going to come today. And as you were making up your mind, God was saying, all right, I'm going to change things around because they're going to be here today. Because I don't believe God overrides the will of people. God could, 
He's sovereign. He can do whatever he wants, but he restrains himself to not override your will. God's not going to force you to do anything. But when you do, if you'll take one step, just like that father with the prodigal son, when that prodigal son started, the father came running down the driveway. I want you to know when you take one step, God will come running to where you're at. So whoever you are this morning, you didn't know if you were coming or not, but you made up this might just be for you. Everybody else, you can listen in. Mark chapter 14, verse 3. And being in Bethany, in the house of Simon the leper, as he sat at meat, there came a woman having an alabaster box of ointment of spikenard, very precious, and she broke the box and poured it on his head. There were some that had indignation within themselves and said, Why was this waste of the ointment made? For it might have been sold for more than 300 pence and have been given to the poor. And they murmured against her. And Jesus said, man, kind of like your parents, you think, you think you're murmuring, they can't hear you, but they do. And Jesus said, leave her alone. Why trouble ye her? She hath wrought a good work on me, for you have the poor with you always. And whensoever you will do, you may do them good, but me you have not always. She hath done what she could. She has come aforehand to anoint my body to the burying. And verily or truly I say unto you, whosoever or wheresoever this gospel shall be preached throughout the whole world, this also that she hath done shall be spoken of for a memorial of her. Amen. The Lord bless you. I want to preach about this woman's memorial day. Amen. Amen. I want to first of all begin today by recognizing the men and women that paid the ultimate price so that we could be here today in a country that we're able to freely gather together and worship. Now here's the thing, as a nation, if we begin to take that for granted and we don't recognize the men and women that paid the price so we could have, if we just kind of say, well, this is just the way it is, what will happen is we'll lose that freedom. And so we need to very uh, boisterously we, we need to, with passion today, take time to remember the people, the 18-year-old young men who on the beaches of Normandy laid down their lives and on the island of Iwo Jima laid down their lives and in battlefields all across this globe laid down their lives so that we could have their freedom to worship today. I think we need to one more time, with passion, say thank you. Thank you for the freedom that we have today. Thank you. Thank you to our men and women that put on uniforms and serve. Thank you. We don't take this freedom lightly. We're thankful. We're thankful for the price that you pay. Chris, Chris, we're thankful for you. Amen. Just over one million men and women that have died in major wars and conflicts fighting to defend the freedoms and the liberties of this nation. Today, 1.4 million are actively serving in the United States military and they have sworn that oath to defend the Constitution against all enemies, foreign and domestic. The nearly 19 million living United States military veterans that are represented in our nation today. And so first and foremost, as we dive into a sermon titled Memorial Day, I do want to give honor to those men and women, whether they are serving presently, they're veterans who have served, or those who paid the ultimate price. But I want to preach this morning a message of memorial from the text that we read in Mark chapter 14. 
You see, it was the actions of this woman that came to anoint the body of Jesus. They were actions that Jesus said, these are, an, these are actions that will be for this woman a memorial. Jesus went on to say that everywhere that the gospel is preached, this woman's actions need to be talked about. And I believe that every pastor should preach about this woman if Jesus said this is a sermon that needs to be uh, in the category of sermons that you preach, I think it's one that we need to pay close attention to and take heed to. But I just want to look, and I'm not going to preach very long this morning, but I want to look at the factors that led to this being a memorial day. What was it about the worship of this woman that would lead it to being something that Jesus would determine as being a memorial day? I don't think that it was the costliness only of her gift. There have been far greater gifts that have been given if measured in the costliness of their value. But there are factors that, 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 that stand out in this passage of Scripture that would lead to Jesus saying, this is a memorial day. And so while I do want to draw attention to her actions that are memorialized by Jesus, I believe the first thing that causes this to be a day of memorial and a momentous occasion that Jesus would pause and say, anywhere the gospel is preached, this woman's sacrifice needs to be preached about. And I believe the first factor that we need to draw our attention to is the type of atmosphere where memorials are made. The very first phrase in this story as it unfolds, beginning in Mark chapter 14, verse 3, paints the backdrop of this courageous, the courageous actions of this woman when the Bible simply says this, it takes place in the house of Simon the leper. Have you thought about that phrase? That this woman, I think it was C.C. Winans that made famous the song about the alabaster box, maybe 12, 13, maybe even longer, probably longer, 20 years ago. I'm aging myself right now. But she sang about this woman with the alabaster box, and you don't know the cost of my praise. What a beautiful song, but did you stop to take pay attention to the fact that this beautiful praise took place in the house of a leper. Amen. The Bible says as it draws the backdrop upon which this memorial, this day of memorial would be etched upon, it paints it on the backdrop of the house of Simon the leper. Now any biblical knowledge of the disease of leprosy, we know that leprosy was a contagious disease. And I know we've just come through a pandemic where we had to be careful about getting within six feet of one another, right? Social distancing and don't shake hands, do fist bumps. And uh, everything about the way we greet one another changed. But leprosy, but that coronavirus and COVID had nothing on leprosy in the day of Jesus. Le it wasn't six feet social distancing. It was you move into another village if you have leprosy. It's not just six feet. You had to walk up as you were approaching. You had to let everybody know, right? I, recently, we were, uh, I'm trying to remember where we were. We had gone to Sight and Sound Theater earlier this week, and we're watching the story of Esther, and we were, anybody ever been to Sight and Sound? And they've got the roasted almonds. you got to get the roasted almonds if you ever go. And my wife was eating some roasted almonds, and she inhaled a part of a roasted almond, and she started coughing, and I thought Sight and Sound Theater was going to empty out. Because nobody, you know, you got, if, obviously if you cough now, it's because you've got COVID. But she didn't. It was an almond. I, hey, everybody, it's okay. She just inhaled an almond. She's all right. 
right? If you, if you cough today in a public place, you're almost like, I would rather die than cough right now because people are going to look at you with death in their eyes if you cough. But in, in leprosy, it wasn't just that. It was as you approached, you had to declare. You had to yell. You had to, as you approached, as you saw somebody appearing on the horizon, the Bible tells us that they would begin to yell, unclean. Anybody looking forward to yelling that out as you approach people? Hey, by the way, I'm unclean. What I've got is very contagious. And, 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 and so we know that this disease of leprosy was a very contagious disease and that, that, that its social stigma would lead to us understanding that a miracle of an alabaster box being broken inside of a leper's house was a very ironic statement. It, we, we know that it was really impossible for an alabaster box to be broken inside the home of one who was a leper. Now, I would say this. Jesus, we know, Jesus would touch people that nobody else would touch. Jesus would go to lunch with, with people that nobody, in fact, the, the Pharisees talked about the people that Jesus went to lunch with. The Pharisees sat around and said, we can't believe that this man, he goes to lunch with sinners, right? He goes to lunch with tax collectors and publicans and and they would deride Jesus for who he was willing to get into close proximity with. And we do find in the scripture that there are occasions where Jesus would touch lepers and, and heal them. But it wasn't just Jesus that was in the house of Simon. The Bible tells us that there were also disciples that were gathered there. And I know enough about the disciples to know they would not have been inside a leper's house. Right? The disciples were also ones wondering, what is Jesus doing getting into close proximity? Sin might rub off on Jesus. What, what, a, what a crazy statement that is to think that sin could rub off on Jesus. But they thought Jesus was getting too close to sinners. So here's what I know, that the disciples would not have been inside the house of a leper. Further, it was unlawful for a leper to own a home. A leper could not live in his home. If you read According to Leviticus chapter 13, verse 46, it says the leper shall remain unclean as long as he has a disease. He is unclean, he will live alone, and his dwelling shall be outside the city. Simon the leper that is identified here, there's a problem with this story because if Simon were really a leper, he would not have been able to live inside the city. If Simon were really a leper, then the disciples that were in the house with Jesus and the leper, they too would have been considered to be unclean. They would have had to distance themselves until they could be viewed by the priest to decide that they were clean. You see, if he had leprosy at the time of this meal, then everybody in the building would have been rendered unclean as well. And so the supposition is that the words that are used to introduce this passage by setting the backdrop of where this miracle takes place when they identify him as Simon the leper is simply to distinguish him from all the other Simons in the scripture. And rather than it saying this man is a leper right now, the statement was saying this man used to be a leper. Can I tell you what took place? That man met Jesus and the man that used to be a leper was no longer a leper. Come on, somebody in the building. Let me tell you where Memorial Days happen. They happen in a house where there's testimonies. They take place in a building where people say, I'm not what I used to be. Yeah. 
Memorials aren't made in places where people are still what they used to be. Memorials aren't made in a place where people are still the same sinners. I, I thank God for Chris's testimony. I think Chris was honest and said, you know, I don't do everything right, but I'm not what I used to be. That's where memorials are made. When you are in the company of the miraculous, that is where memorials are made. When you get into the presence of those that used to be broken, but now they've been made whole, that is where memorials are made. That's why you better not be quiet about your story. Memorials don't happen in dignified churches where people come to church and they're too good to give God praise. Ain't no memorial happen there. But when somebody begins to magnify Jesus and say, I used to be a sinner, but he set me free. I used to be a leper, but he cleansed me. I wonder if anybody's got a testimony in this building. I used to be a drug addict, but I've been delivered. I used to be an alcoholic, but I've been set free. It's in that atmosphere where people begin to give God praise and say, look what the Lord has done. That is where memorials are made. Anybody like Chris that would say, I'm not perfect, I don't do everything right, but I've been, but God brought me a long way. I'm not what I used to be. I used to be Simon the leper, but now there's a miracle in my house. See, we have a stigma in the church. You're either perfect or you're a hypocrite. There's no in-between. Can I tell you we're all in-between? Ain't nobody in here perfect. And if you, th if you think you are, God bless you. You need to start your own church because you're out of place. And the world comes in, you're either perfect or you're a hypocrite. And they see you fail and they put you in the hypocrite pile. Until they see you fail, you're in the perfect pile. You're not in either one. You're in between. Amen. But I'm not, I'm not the leper that I used to be. I'm not what I used to be. Amen. And there ought to be something that rises up in the spirit of the people of God that we, we can't even. If I, I want to say like the prophet, when I tried to keep quiet, I couldn't do it. It was like fire shut up in my bones. I couldn't help it. I had to give God praise. And you need to let somebody know through your praise, I'm not, what, I'm not perfect, all right? Just help your neighbor out right now and tell somebody on either side, I'm not perfect. All right, let's just get that out of the way. Call it a hypocrite if you want to. I call it maturing. I call it growing. I call it getting closer to Jesus. I call it, amen, every day I'm getting a little bit more like Jesus, but I'm still, I'm not everything that I need to be, but I'm not what I used to be. And when you get in the right atmosphere, that is what leads to right actions. Amen. It's only in a house of praise. It's only in an atmosphere of worship. It's only when you get into the presence of somebody that used to be a leper. That's where memorials take place. Amen. When you get into a place where people still are lepers, 
Where people just say, you know, it doesn't matter. You can live however you want. It's okay. Sin is cool with God. No, sin ain't cool with God. God is not, has not, never will be okay with sin. Amen. Light and darkness have no fellowship with one another. We're not here today to say that sin is okay. Amen. Nor are we to say that, nor are we here today to say that we're perfected and overcome all of sin. What we're saying is we give God praise because He brought me out of darkness. He brought me out of darkness. He's bringing into His light. Not what I used to be. That same neighbor you just told you weren't perfect, now I need you to tell him, but I'm not what I used to be. Brother Brett, you remember that first Sunday? What was it you told him? I ain't never coming back to that crazy church again. Crazy. People are crazy. With a capital K, people are crazy. But I'm not what I, anybody else have that testimony of Brother Brett's? Look, look, now you're one of them crazy people right now. Look at you. All of you raising your hands right now. The visitors are like, wow, they, I'm one of them now. I, I, I'm saying about them, and they used to be saying what I'm saying. And somebody, someday somebody's going to be saying the same thing about you. But there is a certain atmosphere that lends itself to the right actions. There is a certain atmosphere where alabaster boxes can be broken. There is a certain atmosphere where people feel the liberty to come and break alabaster boxes. And it's only in that certain atmosphere, amen, where Simon, who used to be a leper, can say, Jesus, come on into my house. And disciples, come on into my house. It's only in that right atmosphere. And after she breaks the box, here is what Jesus says that makes the actions of this woman worthy of being a memorial. You ready? It's not, this isn't going to be a deep theological sermon. It's going to be very simple. This one phrase is where I want to draw your attention to today. Jesus says, listen, all the disciples, you know, particularly we'll, we'll talk about this in a moment. It's one disciple who's griping and grumbling, you know. We could have done better things with that alabaster box. We could have sold it. And with the money that we made, we could have gave the money to the poor. And he's over there griping and complaining and criticizing her worship. And Jesus turns around to the disciples and says, silence. He says, listen, you need to understand what this woman has done today is a memorial. What this woman has done today is going to be pre- about after you're dead and gone, this woman is still going to be being preached about. One phrase, though, because she has done what she could. What's going to make this a memorial day today for you is when you do what you can. The nation's highest award of valor is the Medal of Honor. The medal that is given to those that have distinguished themselves by acts of valor. Nearly 3,500 have been awarded since they were first introduced in the Civil War. And almost all of them were awarded for risk in defense of fellow soldiers. One of the more recent Medal of Honor recipients was Marine Corporal Jason Dunham. Who was killed near Huzaba, Iraq when he dived for an enemy grenade and then took his Kevlar helmet and laid on top of that over the grenade and laid down his life so that his friends could live. Not many Medal of Honor recipients live. Most of them paid the ultimate price so that others around them could live. 
But those, that, those of them that did survive, those of them that lived beyond the moment that they put themselves in harm's way to give liberty to those around them, to a, to a man, every one of them, when they were interviewed, they said, I'm not a hero. I'm not a hero. I, I was just doing what I could do. I was just doing what I signed up to do. I'm not a hero. Please don't put me on a pedestal. I'm not a hero. I was just doing what I could do. And I want to say today what God designated as a memorial in your life and as a memorial in the kingdom of God is when people simply do what they can do. Listen, I'm not here today to be your salvation. I can't do that. I just came to do what I can do. Amen. I walked into this building today. What I can do is give God praise. What I can do is worship him. What I can do is lift up the name of Jesus. What is going to be the memorial day in your life is the day that you do what you can do. Is there anybody here today that's figured out the magic formula to erase your past? Anybody? If you do, we've got a lot of people interested right now. You know what I can't do? I cannot erase my past. But what I can do is repent of my sins. What I can't do is save my soul. But what I can do is put my faith in Jesus Christ. What I can't do is minimize my problems. My problems are there. They're as real as they ever were. But what I can do is magnify the Lord. I can't make my problem any smaller, but what I can do is make the name of Jesus greater. And what I'm asking you to do in this building today is simply do what you can do. You can't save yourself. You can't erase your past. But what you can do is magnify Jesus. What you can do is forget about your neighbor and say, I've got to get a hold of Jesus. I wish somebody right now, would you just do what you can do? Don't worry about what your neighbor thinks about you. Just do what you can do. This woman has done what she could. Come on, you simply did what you could, and that is going to be a memorial day. Come on, I wish somebody would raise you. This is what I can do. This is what I can do. This is what I can do. I can't undo my past, but I can step into my future. You can praise him. You can lift up his name. Your memorial day is when you do what you can do. You can obey the word of God. You can be born again. This, this is the very definition of the grace of God. You can be seated for just a moment. I'm, believe it or not, I'm almost finished. In no way, pastor's just getting started usually. I told you God threw me a curveball this morning. But there's somebody here today that God is saying, listen, just do what you can do. You're putting so much pressure on yourself. You're trying to be your savior, and you can't do that. But what you can do is repent and ask God to forgive you. And my Bible tells me if you will do that, if you will confess, he will forgive. This is the very definition of the grace of God. 
the definition of the grace of God. Paul, at one point in his writings, said that he had this thorn in his flesh. It was an irritation. It was a reminder to him of his humanity. And he prayed three times and asked God to take it from him. And God said, I'm not going to take it, Paul, because I need you to remember that it's my grace that is sufficient. Paul, if you could get righteous on your own, you wouldn't need me. That's the reason I've given you grace. It's because when you've done what you can do, then I step in and do what you can't do. You'll never be able to save yourself, but you can put your life in the hands of a Savior who can save you every time. Grace is when you do what is my worship changing my situation. No, I'm just simply obeying the word of God. And when I obey the word of God, God steps in and he changes my situation. Chris said he was struggling with depression, battling with depression and all these other things going on in his life. But when he walked down to an altar and he did what he could do, God stepped in and did what only God could do. And now, look, Chris is walking on the different path. When you do what you can do, God will do what he can do. I confess, he forgives. I obey by being baptized. He responds by washing my sins away. I surrender to him. He fills me with the Holy Ghost. I hunger and thirst after righteousness. He fills me. I pursue after him in holiness. He sanctifies me. Listen, the moment that you try to do more than you can, you leave the grace of God and you begin to operate in the self-righteousness of man. The moment that you think you can do enough good works to save yourself, you, you stop doing what you could do and you started trying to do what he can do. You cannot, that doesn't mean you should go out and do a bunch of dirty deeds and say, you know what, well, pastor said I don't need to do good works. No, good works are still there. But that's, it's not your good works that save you. He saves you so that you can do good works. He saves you so that you can do good works. Amen. Come on, somebody. If you will do what you can do. I'm trying to tell somebody today, God's not finished with you. You're in the house of Simon the leper, and God's not done with you. But you've got to do what you can do, and then God will do what he can do. I wish we'd raise our hands. All, I just feel even right now like God wants to do something, but he's waiting on you to do something. God right now is standing by saying, I'm ready to work in your life. I'm ready to do what you could never do, but you've got to first do what you can do. Come on, raise those hands up all across this house. The grace of God is rich in this room. Come on, Paul, my grace is sufficient. Paul, don't you worry, my grace is enough. Paul, don't you worry, you're never going to get to the place where you're perfect, but my grace is sufficient. Come on, Paul, you just keep bringing your alabaster box. You just keep walking into Simon's house and breaking that box, and I'm just going to keep on working. I'm just going to keep on using you. I know, Paul, there are going to be times that you look at your life and say, I'm not worthy, but my grace is sufficient. The moment that you begin to believe that you can earn your way into heaven. Well, if I never miss a Sunday, I'm not saying you shouldn't miss Sunday, but you're not earning your way into heaven. 
You're coming because you want to be in the presence of God. Because I found that if I can just get into Simon's house, if I can just get around other people that aren't what they used to be, and they're in the process of God changing their if I can just get around those kind of people, one of these days I'm going to do what I can do, and it's going to be memorial. Uh, that God is going to set that up as a memorial day that I will never forget, uh, a day that will never be wiped away, uh, a day that is going to stand for all of eternity. Stand with me. I've got other stuff scribbled down, but I don't feel like that's what God wants to say. So we're going to go here. Stand with me. The most you can do is raise your hands. I want you to raise your hands. Some of you right now, the enemy is wearing you out with condemnation. That if you could just do this, if you could do that, if you would be a better person, if you, if you, if, if this, if that, if you could just go back and undo some things in your past... Then, then you could be good enough. Then, 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 then you would be worthy of bringing your alabaster box. Uh, I want to let you know today that, that God is not asking you to do more than what you can do, but he's asking you to do exactly everything that you can do. Somebody, you can walk down to this altar right now. Somebody, you can take the sword of condemnation out of the hands of the devil that has been plaguing you and telling you you're not worthy and God can't use you, and you can walk down to this altar right now and it's going to be a memorial day. It's going to be a day you'll never forget when you stop trying to earn righteousness on your own and you walk down here and you let grace be sufficient in your life. You bow your knees and say, God, this is what I can do. And then a holy God of heaven stoops down and says, now I will do what I can do. Though your sins be as scarlet, they will be as wool. Though they be red as crimson, they will be as snow. Come on. You do what you can do and watch God do what he can do. No, you can't wipe away your past, but I know a God who can. No, you can't make yesterday's failure go away, but I know a God that is ready to cast it in the sea of forgetfulness. If you will do what you can do, God will do what he can do. I don't know, preacher. I don't know if I can do that. Listen, when you don't do what you can do, it limits what God can do. When you don't do what you can do, I'm not asking you to do more than you can. But please don't do less than you can. Because when you do less than you can, you, you tie the hands of an almighty God because he will not override your will. But when you come to this altar and you raise your hands and you say, Jesus, I surrender all to you, then the mighty God steps down and he begins to work in your life in ways that you never thought imaginable. That's it right now. Forget about your neighbor. Just get you and God. Come on, get alone, you and God, in the presence of an almighty king. He's watching right now. Somebody as you surrender. Somebody as you let down your guard and you lift up your hands and you say, God, here I am. I'm doing what I can do. Sometimes it is easy to start on your destination without knowing the exact path that it takes to get there. To get to our destination, we need to follow the one who knows our predestined path. Be sure to subscribe and watch us every Sunday at 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Also, visit us at www.livinghope.com. MD.com.
I'm gonna wait on you, Jesus. I'm gonna wait.